Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. If you stand and honor God's word, Romans chapter 7, and we'll start reading verse number 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and I, and I, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Here we go. For what that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent that the law is, is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. But the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's pray. Lord, I stand humbly before you this morning behind the sacred desk. Lord, knowing I am not capable of, Lord, ministering to your people, I, I, Lord, just humbly ask that you'd remove me out of the way. Lord, take everything out of this message, Lord, that is not of you. Lord, may I just give the people your word. Lord, may it be edifying to your congregation, I pray in Jesus' name. And amen. Be seated. <clears throat> So, this is a little bit tough. Uh, this is a little bit um, 
hard to understand, so I want to do my best to try to explain to you what is going on here, uh, and, and hopefully it will, it will help us to understand how uh, the Christian life works. So last week we talked about, or actually it wasn't last week, two weeks ago, we talked about um, the newness of the Spirit and the oldness of the letter. So if we look at verse number 7, it says, what shall we say then? That is referring back to verses 5 and 6, where it is saying that the, that the flesh was uh, the motions of sin... Uh, uh, brought forth out of the flesh, living unto death. That's before we got saved. But now, after we get saved, uh, we're delivered from that law, and now we live in the newness of the Spirit, and the not in the oldness of the, of the law, of the letter. So then Paul says, what shall we say then? So get, get what's going on here. Paul has just told us you can't be saved by the law and that the law was the deadness of the letter, but we're to live in the newness of life. And, and Paul's just explained that to us. And he said, Not, so what should we say? Conclusion. The law's bad. He said, no, God forbid. But if, if you think about it, if you read verses 5 and 6, wouldn't that be your conclusion? The law is the problem here, right? And we want to just get rid of the law, and we want to live in this newness of the Spirit. Uh, but Paul said, oh no, the law's not bad. You're bad. The law's not bad. You're bad. Right? And then he says, listen, I wouldn't even understand what right and wrong is, except for the law told me so. I want you to get that the law, if you guys would allow me this morning, I want you to get the law. We're not just talking about Moses and Mount Sinai. We're talking about the Word of God, okay? The Word of God, without that, I wouldn't know what right. Paul said, I wouldn't even know it's wrong to lust until God said, don't covet. The law made it known, but the law didn't change right and wrong. I was always wrong, just didn't know it. Right. So then. So as we read these scriptures and, and again, they're a little bit difficult. I'm going to try to explain because I want you guys to have an understanding what this. But as, as we read these next verses, they're, they're a little difficult. It says, verse number eight, but sin taking occasion. Do you know what that word means? Not what you think it means. That word means a position to attack from. Think about that. Sin mounted itself, had a position, and it launched from there to, to attack us. So, so sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. How many of you used that word this week, concupiscence? How many of you sat around dinner table and said, honey, I, I want to tell you about my concupiscence, right? All right, we don't use that word. Does anybody know what that word means? Interesting. Interesting what that word means. That word means uh, the things you desire, your cravings. Now, if, you, if I bring Kaysen and Javi and, and Kalen up here, and I say, boys, do not look in that hole, what is all three of them going to do? They're going to look in that hole, right? I mean, that, that's, just, that's just a gift. Now, before I tell them to look, not to look in that hole, they don't want to look in that hole. But as soon as I say, don't look in that hole, they all three are going to jump in front of each other trying to look through that hole. Why is that? That's where you and I are. See, isn't it strange, even in church sometimes, even with sinner people sometimes, you don't really want to do something until you're told you can't. And when you're told you can't, all of a sudden you just want to, right? And that's what Paul's saying here. The, the, the commandment was not wrong. The law was not wrong. It was good. But when it came, when the commandment came and said, you can't do that, I really want to do that. I really want to do that. 
Right. And so the, the sin, uh, the sin rose up in me. It came to life because the law said you can't do that. But it's a little confusing. We read verse nine. It says I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. The commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be death. For sin, taking occasion to the commandment, deceived me, and it's by it slew me. So what in the world is all that talking about? It, it seems confusing until you really understand the words. I want to give you the, the, the Greek definition. It will make a whole lot more sense. <clears throat> this is a little diff. I just, I just wrote it down exactly what it says in the Greek uh, definition for the word dead. The word dead means destitute of life that recognizes and is devoted to God. The word dead means inactive as respect to doing right. Now let's read that text. When the law, before the law came, I was alive. Before the law came, I was alive. You know what that's saying? Before someone told me that it was wrong, I was enjoying just living my life. I was happy. Things were good. I, I was sinning all the time, but I didn't know it. And when the law came... I became conscious that I am disobeying God. I died. I, I came to a point where I recognize I'm not doing what God says. I'm inactive in doing what is right. I'm, I, I'm dead in those things that are, are respect to, to, devoted to God. So th this word dead here, if we understand it to mean that, what he is saying here is without the law... Nothing changed with the law other than your understanding. Will you guys have that? The law didn't change right and wrong. The law just let you see this is right and this is wrong. Before the law came, you were content because you didn't know you were wrong. When the law came, now all of a sudden you're feeling kind of guilty, right? So then, so then we move on and then we get into this whole uh, what I do, I don't do and, and all of that that I'm not going to read again. What is all of that? <clears throat> I think this is important. I don't know if it makes sense to anybody else or not. Remember the message, body, soul, and spirit, okay? We were all born with a body. Everybody here has a body. It is flesh. It is, it is clay. It is sinful. It was sinful the day it was born. It'll be sinful the day it dies. We were all born with a body. We were also all born with a soul. The soul is really who we are. I, I, you haven't seen my... Uh, you haven't seen me. All you've seen is this thing I live in. You haven't seen me yet. My soul is who I really am. When you're born, you have the body, you have the soul. When you're, when you're saved, you have the spirit which connects you with the spirit of God. Okay? If we understand that, then we go back to what Paul is saying. Here, here let, me, let me translate what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, as a Christian, I want to please God. But that guy over there... He keeps doing things he shouldn't do. Is anybody with me this morning? I mean, and, and then Paul says, I'm getting really aggravated at that guy. Who's he talking about? Paul. I'm getting really aggravated at that guy because that guy keeps doing things that we're not supposed to be doing. And I don't want to be doing those. And Paul goes on to even goes as far as to say, whenever I sin, it's not I that do what's a sin. The real me doesn't want to do that. But that guy, he keeps doing it. Does anybody have one of those guys? Have you have one of those guys? Does anybody here ever really get aggravated at that guy? 
He says things, you say, why did he say that? He does things, you say, why is he, he cops an attitude, you think, what is wrong with you, quit doing that. He, 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 he's, he says things he shouldn't say, and he, he just, he does all kinds of sins, he looks at things he shouldn't be looking at, and you're thinking, what is wrong with you? I want to please God. And you want to keep doing bad things. Does anybody see how this works? And that's a Christian life, people. So here's good news and bad news. The bad news is, bad news is Gary is never going to change. Listen, if I live to be 100 years old, I'm still going to be bad. It's not going to get any better, right? The day that, the day that I got saved, this didn't get any better. It's still bad. It's still sinful. It's still flesh. I heard, uh, I think I might have told you guys a story, but one of the preachers I listened to, he talked about talking to his old pastor, and his old pastor was a great man of God that preached for, you know, years and years, a real famous preacher, and I believe this guy was maybe around, maybe in his 80s. And this young preacher asked him, he said, I, I just got to know, he said, tell me, he said, um, at what age did you come to when you quit struggling with women? He said, I don't know, I got there yet. <laughs> Right? Well, his thing is, I'll, I'll get beyond this. And the preacher said, oh, no, I ain't dead yet. I'm 80 years old, but I still, does anybody follow? The old man is just going to continue to be sinful, and he's never going to be good. That's the bad news. What's the good news? If we get the spirit strong enough, we can control what that bad man does. Right? That's called sanctification. So that's kind of what Paul is talking about here. He doesn't want to sin. He doesn't want to do what's wrong. Uh, but he finds himself continuously doing it. I'd like to bring out, because this verse is used a lot, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but I, I just believe we, there's all kinds of verses that are thrown around out of context. To me, this is clearly out of context. We hear this verse quoted all the time in church. I mean, preachers quote it all the time, and I believe they use it wrong. Look at verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Here's how we use it. We've got a building program. Satan's throwing rocks. The Bible says when we're going to do good, evil's going to be present. That's not, you know who the evil's talking about? You. <laughs> and that's all about the devil. That's talking. Every time I go to do something good, I got to take Gary with me. Gary's going wherever I'm going, and Gary's the evil. Gary wants to do what's wrong. So everywhere I go, guess who I'm taking? Taking me, <laughs> right? And I'm going to cause trouble. I couldn't tell you how many times I went to church really, in my spirit, really wanted to do something good, and he messed it all up, right? Is anybody with me? That guy, that guy has problems, and I can't get away from him. So this is talking about you and I and not, and not uh, the devil. So he goes on, Paul concluding here. Um, he delights in the law of God after the inward man. And then he, and he wraps up and he says, you know, I'm just a wretched man. Is, is there anybody besides me? Don't raise your hand. You don't even need to grunt. But anybody besides me that has really just concluded after all these years of living, oh, wretched man that I am. I'm just no good. I mean, I'm just no good. 
I just mess up. I sin. I do things I shouldn't. Uh, 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 I'm just no good. Paul said, oh, rich man I am. And then, but then he goes on to say, um, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I literally have this conversation with the Lord all of the time. I don't know if you do it or not. I'm not trying to sound holy or righteous or anything else. This is just a conversation I have with the Lord all of the time. Because I'm so aggravated with that guy over there, and he's all the time doing things that I know he shouldn't do, and he's all the time sinning. I'm so aggravated with him. And I get down on my knees, and I talk. This is how I talk. I'm, I'm telling you, this is a conversation me and Lord have over. I said, Lord, you know what my heart wants to do. And you know my desire to please you. And you know I didn't want to do what he did, but he did it anyway. And Lord, you know my heart, and I know I fail you, and I know I'm not what I ought to be, but God, you know I love you. Am I the only one? And Lord, if I could, I'd fix that guy. But I can't fix him. But in my heart, I love you. Church, I believe that's what God wants. I believe that's what God wants. If you're trying to fix your flesh, good luck. Good luck. But you can fix your spirit where your spirit wants to do what God wants it to do. So the message this morning, that being said, that conclusion that Paul has, I hope that made sense to you. Um, The title of the message, I Testify. I Testify. I'd like to try to make an argument why we need strong biblical preaching. We talked about this Wednesday night, but I'd like to make an argument why we need strong biblical preaching. But I thought of the, of the title, I Testify. I want us to think about a court of law. Okay? I want you guys to get this. It's not, I hope to make it as simple, but I want you guys to get this. In a court of law, you bring forth evidence to both ways, to argue the case. Right? And this morning, I'm not going to testify with my lips I'm going to testify with my life. And my life, I've been saved for, you know, 45 years. My life, my testimony, my evidence that can be presented in court. We always, have, we always say that thing came out when I was a kid. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to, uh, to, to find you guilty of being a Christian? But I'm looking at it exactly the opposite this morning. Is there enough evidence to prove that Gary's no good. A lot of Renee's shaking, yeah, I've got a list for you, right? Give me an amen, honey. All right. Is there enough evidence to prove that Gary's no good? There is. The evidence is overwhelming. Listen, if we had a court of law and we had a lawyer and we had a prosecuting attorney and defense attorney and they were presenting a case, I'd be found, they'd just say Gary's no good. The evidence is in. I testify that I am no good. So what I really, and, and if I'm honest, I'm looking at a whole bunch of people who testify that you're no good. So what I need is the word of God to help my spirit be strong so as I can control this guy over here. Am I making sense to anybody? And so... We need Bible preaching. We need strong Bible preaching in church because, number one, there is condemning evidence. There is condemning evidence. 
There, we've been talking about this a lot. I hope it is sinking in. I thank God that I feel like a lot of this stuff is finally sinking to you guys. But there are a lot of Christian people. I believe they are Christians and I believe they love Jesus and they live horrible lives. They live horrible lives. They live unbiblical lives. I gave this out Wednesday night for those of you that are here. If you didn't get one, you maybe should take it in. It, it talks about immaturity and maturity and knowledge and ignorance and, and head knowledge and heart knowledge and all these things. But there are different reasons why Christians live so sinful. But you know what I believe? The number one reason why Christians live so sinful, listen to me, I have staked my entire life on this. I have staked my pastorship on this. This is what I am all about. Do you know why Christians live such bad lives? They don't know the Bible. They don't know the Bible. And the evidence is overwhelming. In this church, the Christians who don't know the Bible, guess what they do? That guy over there runs the show. He, he's the one in control. Those, those who go to other churches who, who are, I'm not going to say they're not saved there because I'm that guy, but they say that they are saved, they say they love Jesus, and they live horrible lives. Do you know why they do? Because the Bible has not been put into their life to fix that guy over there. And at Sand Hill, it is so very exciting. I'm having so much fun being your guys' pastor. It is so much fun being your pastor. And I feel like we finally come to a place where, where, where things are really changing. But if you can't see the change at Sand Hill Church in the last two years, you are blind. You're absolutely blind. But here's what's going on. There's a whole lot of people in this church. I just had someone tell me, I think last week, a person's been saved for 45 years, person told me, he said, I was never, ever told to read my Bible. I was never told to faithfully pray. I was never told I couldn't hate people. I was never told anything. So I did that for all my life, and now all of a sudden, I'm not supposed to do that. And now, what they're saying is, I'm going to straighten them out. They're going to start doing better. Is this making sense to anybody? If you don't have the Bible, here, here, get the picture, guys. Get the picture. The flesh is in control. You have a soul. You get saved. You now have a spirit. Your spirit never gets any Bible. It never gets any teaching. It never gets anything. It, it is weak. It has no power. Does not understand right and wrong. So your spirit says, I love Jesus. Doesn't know anything. Your flesh is still very, very strong. It's very strong. Your flesh is still going to live like sinners. Now, the, the preachers told you not to commit adultery and not to go get drunk and not to lie. So you're not going to do those three. But all the rest of it's fair game. All the rest of it's fair game. And this guy here, he likes to sin a lot. He likes getting revenge. He likes holding grudges. He likes hating people. He likes lusting after women. He likes running his mouth. He, he likes uh, not being faithful to the word of God, not being faithful to church, not giving his money to the Lord, uh, not witnessing to other people, uh, not being uh, uh, disciplined to do the right things for God. He likes that, and he's in control. But you take that same person, plug them into a Bible-preaching church, and all of a sudden, that guy's in trouble. Because now that guy has got to start doing what this guy says. Am I making sense to anybody at all? The spirit starts running the body. I couldn't tell you the times. I don't know if I'm all alone, but I couldn't tell you the times. I thought, mm -mm, bite it, bite it, don't say that. I really want to say it, bite it. Because I know now that's not pleasing to the Lord. But can I say I really wanted to say it? I really wanted to say it. Anybody ever want to just really tell somebody off? Am I alone? 
really just want to tell somebody off? You ever had the Lord say, Tina was talking about the Lord talking to her. You ever had the Lord say, don't do it. Oh, God, I want to do it. I'll repent later, but I got to let them have it, right? And how many, but let's be serious, how many of you have told them off? You went ahead and did it, right? And, and your flesh just said, that was so much fun. I demolished them. I just, I just, then you go brag, man, I, you wouldn't believe, I told them. And you just let, but your flesh is glorying and your spirit is over here dying. But then you come in control and your spirit says, listen, I know they did you wrong. We're not going to say a word. By the way, we're going to treat them with love and compassion. <laughs> your flesh is like, no, that's no fun at all. It's a lot more fun to tell them off and be mean to them. Cold shoulder them. Right? Listen, guys, we're all in this together. Take your halos off. There ain't one of you here that doesn't like to get revenge. There isn't one of you here that doesn't like to get back at people. There isn't one of you here that doesn't want to get mad at people. I, I mean, we're all in this together. The, listen, let me let you know a little hint. There it was no flesh ever created that was good. Everybody here. You know, you look at certain people in, the, in this church, and they're maybe a little bit more quiet. Maybe they're not as outspoken. You know, some of you, if you're mad, we know it. Right? There's others of you that are, and we always say, oh, they just never get mad. They're just always just quiet. They're the same way. They just keep it inside because I've talked to them. So what my point is, the flesh is bad. The only cure for the flesh is to get the spirit connected to God so strongly that it starts controlling the flesh, and that's what we have to do. So the evidence is overwhelming. We are condemned. We are condemned by the evidence. There are, there are a multitude of Christians who, who live a very worldly, sinful life, and it's because they don't have the preaching of the Word of God. Here's another thing. I've preached this till you guys are tired of hearing it. I know you are. I preached it till I'm blue in the face. I think it's finally starting to sink in. It took me 20 years. We don't see ourselves, guys. We don't see ourselves. I, I, I mean, you, we, I know you're guilty, and everybody else here knows you're guilty, but you think, I ain't guilty, right? We don't see ourselves. We, we are totally oblivious. Or so. And can I just say this? I know this to be true. I'll start with Gary, and it goes for all the rest of us. We really kind of think a little more of ourselves than what we ought to. I mean, I kind of think I'm a little bit better of myself, and what I do is I just compare myself to someone not as good as me, and I say, see there, I'm, I'm better, Right? But truth is, we think higher of ourselves than we should, and we don't see our sins, guys. If you're full of pride, I guarantee you, you don't see it. If you've got a bad attitude, you don't see it. I mean, we can just go down the list. We can just name all these sins. You don't see it. If you mope around here, woe is me, woe is me, you don't see it. I, 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 I can tell you specifically by name, and you would laugh. You'd fall down the floor laughing. I can tell you specifically of three or four people that everybody here knows who told me very point blankly, you can't make me mad, and I never get my feelings hurt. And everybody in this church knows they get mad at the drop of a hat, and they get their feelings hurt when you look at them. But they tell me, you cannot hurt my feelings, and you can't make me mad. Now, if I told you their name, you'd all be down the floor rolling around laughing right now because we all know that it's true. But I believe they're sincere. They can't see that they're wrong. I, my mind is blown by someone who walks around here 90% of the time mad, and they say, you can't offend me. Well, the rest of us know we can't offend you, right? But you can't see that. I use Sister Bessie, and I pick on her a lot because I, I trust she won't get mad at me. Uh, but she just said they're... I use this Wednesday night, but she said, she said, Pastor, I sat in church for five or six years, and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you preached that. And I just smiled and said, amen, preacher, go get them. 
And one day she said, Don, I mean, he's talking about me. It's me. Oh, my goodness. Now, you can laugh at Bessie, but I, I'm pretty sure every last one of you have done that. Every last one of you said, oh, go get him, preacher. That's good stuff. No, it's you. Listen, it's you. We don't see ourselves. But here's the thing, Jenny. Here's the thing. Here's my strong conviction. I believe with everything in me. I'll go to my grave believing it. Most of the people in this church now, I believe, are buying into the importance of the Word of God. What we do in Sunday school, what we do on Wednesday night, what we do during the week on, uh, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and all that we do here, and really everything that we're trying to do, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, all the things, the podcast, everything that we're doing, we're trying to just pour into you the Word of God. Now, you can come out here and say, I'm not interested in that. You let your flesh run. Your flesh will just continue to have a good time. You can come out here and say, I'm not interested in that Bible. I'm not interested in learning. I'm not interested in going out there and finding out about the Bible. I'm not interested in reading the stuff. I'm not, I'm Philippians, I'm not interested. In, I'm not doing any of that stuff in prayer groups. I'm, I'm not interested in any of that. You can do that and still attend Sand Hill Church, and your flesh will rule you. And we will all know that. But if you plug into and you believe in what we are doing, here's my belief, people. It's going to change you. It's going to change you. And could I just bring, I mean, if we have a judge behind here and we have, we have, we're presenting evidence, can I just bring before you, there's plenty of evidence to say that you guys are all bad. But can I say there is a multitude of evidence now, and I could, I could spend hours talking to you guys, there is evidence of what the Word of God does in your life. It's changing you guys. I was talking to Brother Steve last week, and, and um about being the pastor and, and, you know, pastor appreciation day and all that and talking to him about being a pastor. And this is, God knows, anybody knows me that God knows this is my heart, this, this is my life, this is my everything. But Steve said, it's a hard job being a pastor. Well, I'm not going to say he's wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's wrong. But here's what I told him. The greatest joy in my life, bar none, there is nothing that even comes close. The greatest joy in my life is when I present the word of God and I see God's people change. It doesn't get any better than that. I tell you what, there ain't, there ain't no vacation. There ain't no amount of money. There ain't, there ain't nothing you can give me that even compares to that. When I see people's lives changing, and that's why I continue to say it is so much fun to be your pastor because I see people's lives changing. I don't see one person changing. I don't see five people changing. I see a church changing, and it is because of the Word of God. It is changing who we are. It is changing hearts. It is changing attitudes. It is changing actions. It is changing everything about who we are. Now, this may, this may confuse you a little bit, but I want you to get this. You say, Pastor, we're learning a lot, but I'm not sure we're always living it out. Is anybody with me on that? We're learning a lot, but we're not sure we're living it all out. I, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with probably our, our hearts haven't quite caught up to our heads yet, right? I would agree with that. But here's what I want to argue for you guys. If we just keep pouring the Bible into you, just keep pouring the Bible into you, things are going to change. Has to. If you're coming out here listening and taking it in, listen, sooner or later your heart's going to catch your head. Do I need to say that again? 
We're getting it up here. It may not have quite got down here. It might be a slow drip. But if we keep putting it up here, it's going to eventually drip down here. And you're going to eventually learn. Uh, you're going to start doing it. Renee used to tell me all the time. She, she, this has happened for 20 years. Renee used to tell me all the time. Well, I can't remember anything you say. I can't remember anything you say. She, I preached. I can't remember anything you say. That's what she always told me. It was flattering. I mean, it was great. But she said, I, I, can't, I don't remember anything you say as a preacher. But then the funny thing was, that situation come up. And she said, you said we weren't supposed to do that. I thought you didn't remember anything I said. See, she did. It was there. It just took a little while to drip down. Are you guys with me? And I'm watching that happen in this congregation, and it is the most exciting thing of my life because we are pouring the Bible into Now, have you caught up with everything we're teaching? Maybe not yet, but we're pouring it into you, and it is changing who you are, and that slow drip is changing that guy over there because this guy over here is getting strong, and that guy over here is getting beat up. Anybody with me? Man, I want to beat Gary to death. I want to beat his brains. And that guy caused me so much trouble. He's all the time doing stupid stuff. And, and, I, and I want to control him. But truth is, there was a time he was stronger than I was. Is anybody with me? Your flesh had more power than your spirit. But I want my spirit to be so strong, I can wrestle that guy down in anything he can do. I don't know if it's making sense to you guys or not, but... The, 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 the clear evidence is we are condemned because we are bad. And the clear evidence is that we can't fix ourselves. Now, I understand judgment teaching us, and I understand we, I hope we all understand that, that the Christian life is not something we do in and of ourselves. I understand that. And I understand that it takes the Holy Spirit working through us to give us the power to do that. And we've learned that in Romans very clearly. It is not us. It is, it is the Lord. And, and so we, we, we hope we made that clear. But here's what, here's what we've got to understand even though the Holy Spirit is in, in control, is to control our lives and to in, enable us, if you don't know the Bible, you will still let the flesh rule. Just that simple. Listen, I, I've been around too long. I'm getting to be old. I've been around too long. I've been around churches too long. I, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I said certain things, and older people, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, now I'm not a kid anymore. I've been around long enough to know. I have seen the churches who they don't preach the Bible. I've seen how the people live. I've seen the Christians who aren't interested in the Word of God. I've seen how they live. I've, the evidence is overwhelming. And I have no doubt that if we wanted to have a, a literal court of law and I was to testify, my life is sinful beyond measure if Gary's in control. But if you pour the Word of God into me, I can live a holy life. And people, that's the solution. That, that is the solution. So the evidence is condemning. It condemns us. It shows us that we're wrong. Number two, there is the correcting rod. Uh, the correcting rod, rod is the word of God. Now we talked just a little bit Wednesday night. Uh, the Bible says, um, you know, I don't know how many of you here, I'm trusting that you older ones did, but how many of you ever got a spanking? Do, we, do I need to explain to you what that is? But the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. The Bible says, if you don't use the rod, you hate your child. Doesn't say talk to him. Doesn't say give him a good talking to. Does not say sit him down. It says wear his hind end out. I know that it get me sent to jail, but it's still the Bible. And that, I don't, I don't, Richard got me sidetracked on this Wednesday. Lord, I don't want to rabbit trail too far here. But that's wrong with our generation now. We got a whole group of kids never got spanked. That's what's wrong with them. Now, now, here's the thing. Now here's the thing. I, I, I'm being serious. When you was a kid, how many of you, when dad said, okay, boy, let's go, I said, oh, this is going to be great. 
This, this is, this is, this is going to be great. Come on, Dad. This guy's some bonding time here, right? I mean, it hurt. You thought he hates me. He's trying to kill me. All right, what is going on? And he beats you and he beats you and he beats you. And you think, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Listen, we didn't enjoy it. How many of you can say as a grown man, I thank God for every one of them I got? How many of you say, I wish I'd have got a few, bit, a few more? There's some times that he should have got it and I didn't, right? What am I saying? The, the rod is, is meant to be painful, but it fixes us. It fixes us. You come to church, the word of God is preached, your flesh says, oh, that stings. Oh, gosh, that hurts. Oh, ouch. And then you walk out, I'm mad at that preacher. Well, you know why? Because your flesh is running things. And your flesh gets mad because your flesh just got beat up and your flesh says, ah, hurt. But if you let it take time, your spirit would start saying, ah, I feel strong. And that guy over got beat up. You know, that, we've had that in this church for, you know, and I suppose that's in every church there is, but we have those people come in, oh, I love Jesus. He means everything to me. Don't say anything hurts my feelings. Don't tell me how to live. And if you do, I will get mad and I won't come back. That's Christianity today. But you guys love Jesus and you guys love the word of God and you guys come out here and get beat up on so you can live a better life. And that's, that's really how simple it is, guys. Preach the Bible, strengthen this guy, beat that guy up. And so the rod is supposed to hurt. It does hurt. How many of you have ever had this feeling? I, I hope that you can at least smile at me on this, but how many of you ever had this feeling? You've been in church. You knew you were guilty. You knew you were doing something you shouldn't do. The preacher preaching, it just hurt like everything. I mean, you just, it's just like you've been beaten good, and it just it hurt because he preached at you. How many of you have ever had this experience? You straightened your life up. You quit doing that. You put that sin away. You got this guy stronger, and the next time the preacher preached on it, he said, oh, man, that's good stuff. Good, go get them, preacher. That's good stuff. You know why? doesn't hurt anymore. You're not doing that anymore. I quit getting mad and holding grudges. Preach at them, preacher. Let them have it. When you're getting mad, people say, oh, don't talk about that. That makes me mad. Does anybody feel, get this? It's, it's, it's a correcting, the correcting rod of the word of God. The word of God shows us where we are wrong. We don't know we are wrong. I don't care if you're raised in a Christian home. I don't care if you've been in church all your life. I don't care how holy you think you are. Until we dig down into the word of God, you don't know what's right and wrong. You don't. And the word of God will, tr will correct that. And the evidence is, is overwhelmingly clear what strong preaching will do. Now, <clears throat> I've got a whole bunch of notes up here, and I think I'm just going to not preach them because <laughs> I think that's what God told me not to preach. But I want to make this clear. I, I, I've preached this to you guys. L let me say this. I, I said a few, few weeks back that some of you don't get it till the 10th or 15th time around. Those of you who got this the first time, I, I apologize. But there's some who still haven't got this, and it's the 15th or 20th time, okay? So let's let everybody catch up, okay? The, the, what is Bible preaching, what is Bible preaching? Oh, preacher, I know you've told us 12 times. Well, some of them don't still know what it is. Okay? What is Bible preaching? If you go to any church that we are affiliated with, if you go to any Baptist church probably in the country, if you go to even a lot of churches that 
maybe are questionable. Almost any church will tell you, we believe in preaching the Bible. The Jehovah Witnesses tell you they believe in preaching the Bible. I ask a question. Do all of those churches in the entire country believe in preaching the Bible? But they think they do. I've had people get mad at me in this church because I said, I believe in preaching the Bible. Well, of course, that's what we always did. No, it's not what we always did. There, Bible preaching is not reading a verse and preaching whatever you want to say. Bible preaching is not uh, you going down your list of, uh, of things that irritate you. Bible preaching is not uh, getting on all the things that we all agree on or, or all the things that, 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 that we want to establish as our church. Bible preaching is taking the Word of God, explaining what the Word of God says, exactly what it says, and giving it to your people. It does not have to be going through a book. It does not have to be a lengthy thing. Uh, Brother Todd Parrish was here. I thought it was phenomenal. He took one verse and he got three points and he exposited it. It isn't how many verses you read. It, Josh does it in a very different style than us. It is, it is taking the message from the Word of God. And I don't know that some of you still get that, but there's an awful lot of preaching. I would dare say, if you don't get too mad at me, I would dare say most preaching is not Bible preaching. Did I lose most of you there? <laughs> because a lot of preaching is, is just is, is not the Bible. It is, it is, it is man's opinion. It is, it is things that man thinks, right? And, and it ought to be the Bible and not what we think. And so if we, if we, if we preach the Bible, it will change lives. Now, if, if, you, if, if you hold me to the standard, so I'm talking about the congregation, holds me to the standard, that I have to preach to you what the Word of God says, I don't have any wiggle room. I, I don't have a place to insert my thoughts, my opinions, my ideas. My, I'm preaching the Word of God. If I can take a verse, jump off there, and preach whatever I want to, you guys have no, you have no way of judging me if I'm preaching the Bible or not. Are you guys with me? So preaching the Bible is what we're supposed to be doing. And if you preach the Bible over and over and over again, and consistently, as we're doing, as we're doing here, it will change your people. Is anybody with me? So the exciting news, the, the, the uh, grand finale, if you will, uh, number three, the conquering force. I submit to you that if we will preach the Bible, if we will pour the Bible into the, word, into the people, if every time we come out here, you know, one of the things on our prayer group was, I believe it was Josh's group, that every single time we meet, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, men's ministry, women's ministry, every single time we grow closer to God. How many of you know that's why we're supposed to come to church? If that happens every time, if that is a consistent pouring in, the people are going to mature. Are you guys with me? The people are going to mature. <clears throat> I, don't know, I don't know if this is pastor's eyes or not, and, I, and I, I don't know. But am I the only one here that can see a church that's maturing, that's setting aside sins, that's changing the way they live? We're a maturing congregation. We're, we're, we're growing in the Lord. We're living biblical. Now, here's the thing, people. I got, I got to watch not rabbit trail too far here. Here's the thing. I believe 
that if this guy over here is in control, and not only this guy over here, but right here and all the way around, all of you people and all of you, if we're, if the Spirit is in control, now the Holy Spirit can work through us, and we are now a conquering force, and we can move mountains, and we can do supernatural things, and we can defeat the enemy, and we can be bold and powerful no matter what happens. We're a mighty force because we are conquering by the Jesus Christ. And see, what I see is, if, if, we, if that guy over there is ruling, we're not a conquering force, people. <clears throat> you know, thank God we don't have, uh, um, as far as I know, and if we do, just keep it secret from me. But I, as far as I know, we don't, have, we don't have fighting in the church. We don't have hard feelings in the church. We don't have people who won't speak to each other in church. You know what the Bible says? Pro, book of Proverbs. Oh, I don't agree with the preacher. Well, by, book of Proverbs, you've got to disagree with God. The Bible says, contention cometh only by pride. Think about that one time. So if there's any contention in the church, one of you's got a pride, or probably both of you. Do you know why we had churches, you know why we had church splits, and we had church fights, and we had people who won't talk to each other, and people who hate each other, and people bickering back and forth, and fighting all the time? You know why we have those things? Because this guy right here is in control. This guy right here is running the thing. And if you have a church full of these people running the show, you're guaranteed you're going to have fighting. Am I, are you guys with me? And we've all been to those churches where they fight all the time. You know why? Because everybody's being ruled, including the pastors, being ruled by this guy. But when you come over here and the Spirit starts ruling, you start getting along with other because that's what the Bible says. Now, sometimes, people, let's just be real for a second. Sometimes, if I am totally in control by the Spirit, and, and I am close to God, and, and Brother Charles is totally controlled by the Spirit, he's close to God, sometimes his flesh and my flesh may rub each other. Is anybody with me? I'm allowed to talk about you, brother. You won't get mad at me. No. Sometimes his flesh and my flesh might kind of, and I think, oh, I want to let him have it. But then my spirit says, no, he's my brother. Is anybody following me? And so we put that out of the way and we go on. And that's how church is supposed to be. And that's what we're having. And I just praise God. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm excited. I'm having a good time. I, I, I'm enjoying pastoring this church. And, and I, I believe it is the, the fruit of the Bible changing our lives. And we can, what we can accomplish, I believe it is mind-blowing what we can accomplish if we allow God to rule. I put it this way. I put it this way. If we have a church full of, if every single person here is saved at the Sand Hill Church, and we're going to go out and see souls saved. We're going to go out and, you know, whatever we're going to do, we're going to do some great thing for the Lord. But we're all living in the flesh. We got our anchor down, people. We got our anchor down. Anybody ever try to take off in a boat with the anchor down? <laughs> you got the anchor down. But you got to, you know, I'm giving it to gas. I'm making waves. We're bouncing. We ain't going nowhere. The anchor's down. You pull up the anchor. Whew, across the water you go. That's the way church is. Church will move on. Things will happen. Souls will be saved. Lives will be changed if we let the Spirit rule by having Bible preaching. But if the flesh rules, we got our anchor down. We're just going to spin in circles. Amen? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. 
May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.